Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today my returning guest is Sarah Wood. She's the social media director for Vote Vets. She's a writer, and she's just super cool. So before we get into our conversation, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startme up check out all the tiers i do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads you can hear the free shows on tuesdays and thursdays and they're followed up by what's up a show just for patrons where i talk about anything that comes to mind it's a little more personal kind of like my online diary visit patreon.com slash start me up and don't forget you can find start me up on itunes stitcher and wherever podcasts are found now please enjoy my conversation with sarah wood welcome back to the show sarah thank you for having me And it's almost Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? Now, uh, I think that I will be enjoying this Thanksgiving holiday a little bit more because we kind of saved democracy. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I, and I, I stayed positive the entire time and everyone was all negative. And I was like, no, we're going to do it. (laughs) Me too. I mean, we, we lost the house, but so narrowly that they can't do anything. Yeah. There's this one person who I keep thinking back to, who was like, oh, I love your optimism. Oh, that's nice. And I'm just like, it was so fucking condescending. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, yeah, we lost the house. But like you said, so narrowly. And not only that, I mean, we we've flipped full blown, like all blue to all blue state houses. And obviously, a lot of those uh, attorneys general who would have killed an election for the you know just in the favor of republicans they would have taken the republicans no matter what they didn't get in um you know we're still a little bit worried and we'll talk about this in a minute about warnock and 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 walker but overall i think you know i remained optimistic too and it's funny because i did a a patrons only show today and i'm kind of freaking out my pride in my and like my personal life about something and I'm really really working on that optimism <laughs> it's like <laughs> remain optimistic Kimberly because it's like we have to but um all of that said um I'm just you know I want to just hear it from you just your general I mean I know what it is but your general sense of how do you feel about this election where do you think we're headed and I mean because election cycles are pretty much starting they're ne- they never end it just goes from one ex- election cycle to the next and it's not even decided fully yet because Warnock hasn't even, they haven't even voted yet. And they're talking about Trump being president. So how do you feel about this? What are your big takeaways from the midterms and how do you feel going into the next two years? I feel really good about the election. Um, I'm bummed that we lost the house. I mean, as as slim as I was, I am a little bummed, but um, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited that we held the Senate. I think Warnock, um, is going to win. That's my just takeaway. I just, I, I just can't even imagine yeah. Walker. Like I'm not even letting my head space go there. Um, I got excited because here in New England, every single district in New England, like from Maine, New Hampshire, everywhere went blue. The wow. all of New England is blue. That's amazing. It's remarkable. It's, it's. Um, so that was really exciting over here. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just thought the election. I, I was hung out with my coworkers the night of the election doing election results. Um, and I think they were pretty worried about what was going to happen. And I was like, nope, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. And we were okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
You were correct. So, now, what, do I you, was correct. Do and, you, and, I, and I honestly don't think Trump's going to be the nominee. That's right. just also my gut. I think it's going to be DeSantis, yeah. honestly. Me too. Now, okay, well, let's just get into that. So my feelings about this, they're, they're varied. Because I'm not exactly sure. It, it's, we can see right now that the Republican leadership, not just in the legislature, but Republican leadership, conservative, they're not conservative, they're right wing, right wing, um, you know, people at, over at Fox and Rupert Murdoch and all of this, you know, kind of rejecting him now. Wall Street Journal, he's being rejected by the party. In fact, he is basically being told to leave Herschel Walker alone. And he's irritated about this. So, of course, my big fantasy is that he runs for president and he loses. And then, you know, whoever, if it's DeSantis or whoever it's going to be, gets in as the nominee. My ideal situation is Trump running then as a as an independent. Um, I don't know that I'll do that. But I do think that no matter what happens, even if Trump is indicted and all of that stuff, he is going to fucking go after DeSantis and the Republican Party for rejecting because he's all about revenge. I mean, is, I, I'm getting the sense that that's what we're going to be seeing playing out. I mean, Trump is going to be a danger to everybody, but I think his target right now is the GOP because of revenge. Do you think that? That's so fascinating. I didn't. I don't know why I didn't think about that, but that sounds that sounds exactly right. Like, I, I don't believe he's going to get the nomination. Like you hear like Paul Ryan coming out being like a never Trump, mm-hmm. never again Trumper. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the GOP being just like, he's a, like, Trump's a loser. He's mm-hmm. a loser candidate. Like he doesn't <laughs> win. He, 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 he lost the popular vote against Hillary. Yeah. And then he lost in 2020 completely. And 2018. All of his, like, yeah. yeah. And then all of his candidates are like losing, mm-hmm. like nothing's going his way, but he'll, like he always does, he'll say things are going his way and mm-hmm. people will believe him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that he won't get it and then he'll, he'll go all in if he doesn't run on his own, which I wouldn't put past him. Right. <laughs> then then he'll sabotage it for Republicans. Yeah, because I mean there there are people who I've I, I mean I've seen people or or heard the idea of people saying that Barack Obama's roast of Donald Trump was you know like what made him so angry or or let me put it this way that they were blaming Barack Obama for Trump because of the roast. Um, do you know, remember what I'm talking about? Because Trump, you know, I do. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you could see in Donald Trump's face, like I don't blame Barack Obama for how Trump behaved and reacted to what Barack Obama said. You know, I mean, a lot of people can say things about me and then it depends on what I do. That's on me. So Trump yeah. behaving like a fucking homicidal maniac or, you know, maybe not homicidal, but sociopathic, um, that's not Obama's fault. So I don't blame Obama for this at all. And I don't think anybody should blame Obama. But I think the takeaway here is you could see Donald Trump's face when he was getting roasted. And he was so fucking angry. He was so filled with resent, like he was resentful. He was filled with vengeance. And, you know, he went after uh, Barack Obama for so long about not being a, a, a citizen. And then Barack just like fucking buries him masterfully. And Donald Trump realizes it and he gets so angry and mm-hmm. clearly, you know, I mean, I don't know if that was the thing that cinched his decide, you know, it, that why he ran. I don't know. But clearly he was 
he was kind of like that was gasoline to his he was just getting so much energy from it and i think that we're gonna see that um moving forward but then you have to throw in indictments which of course there's half of twitter or half of you know the politics crowd has already decided that Merrick Garland is just laughing. Yeah, that's what he's doing. He's just laughing. That's all he's doing. He's not doing anything real, which I think is a crock of shit. But um, but I think he will be indicted. And that's going to also play into it. And the thing is, you can be indicted and you can be fucking convicted and go to jail and still run for president. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Um if they had found him guilty of inciting an insurrection, like through like impeachment right. and all that, then they could have done something, but um, like prevented him from running. Yeah. But but did, uh, back to like the correspondence dinner. Did you remember he like during when Trump was in the White House, he never went to a correspondence dinner. Like, he can't handle <laughs> right. being roasted. He's yeah. such a fragile, yeah. fragile person. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And so I mean, it's gonna. And then you know, you throw in there, DeSantis is not really ready for national television he's not ready for a national campaign he's he's got it going in florida first of all that is a very red state and my apologies to people who live in florida who are not red i know that you exist but as far as you know electorally and from a voting standpoint people are fucking red over there you've got a lot of old people You've got a lot of people who don't fully understand are watching Fox News, and that is the electorate over in Florida. And so that is the electorate that has embraced DeSantis. But put him on the world, or I should say on the national stage, I think we're going to see a different story. That doesn't mean I don't think he can win. It just means I don't think, you know, he certainly doesn't have the charisma of Donald Trump, and he's going to have Donald Trump just up his ass every fucking day. You know, and I, you know, and it's like, and then I ask myself, and this is what I'm going to ask you. Now, I have an aunt who is uh, MAGA. She thinks Donald, she didn't like Donald Trump initially. Now she thinks he's the greatest president we've ever had. I know that she believes the insurrection was really just a bunch of Antifa. And, you know, here she supported Ted Cruz in 2015. And then, you know, Donald Trump becomes the nominee and she pretty much just marches in lockstep with the party, which I think is very representative of that party. But there are these diehards who love Donald Trump. Do you think that people, I I mean, I think there's going to be a certain amount of Trump's base that will absolutely go along with whoever the GOP puts up because they go, okay, we have to save the party. So if Trump's not going to be the nominee, then we got to go. But then there's going to be that group of people. And I I don't know. I I think we only need five or or 10% of them to um, either not vote or, you know, vote for Trump or however they write Trump in or something like that for Democrats to gain that benefit. So like, do you, how can you, have any sense or do you have any sense of how that base will go because we've seen them all before we they march in lockstep they take their orders but but trump Um, is different what i think because DeSantis is so good for florida politics and he Mm -hmm. thought he like 
he falls in line with that. Like he knows how to get Florida mm-hmm. voters. I, like you said, I don't know how that's going to play on the national stage, like in states like Arizona or all, mm-hmm. all the, we have to just as Democrats be like, we lost Florida. Yes. That's, it's not yes. a swing state anymore. Like we need to not put money into Florida. Like, let's like, like, let's just counter losses and put money into states that we know we can yeah. flip like Georgia yeah. and Arizona and Pennsylvania, yes. Wisconsin and Michigan and Nevada. Like we, those are the states that we need to be focusing on and putting mm-hmm. money into. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as DeSantis, like he, it's weird because he's not as I don't even know like he's not as um crazy as Trump right, like he's yeah. not as I hate using that word but it's like but it's true like yeah. he's not as he doesn't come off like as off the wall like, right. he's a little bit more um sociopathic charming if you want to say like <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a he's a he's a veteran he's yeah got, so he has that going yeah. for him so he has a lot of things in his corner that make him more quote-unquote likable mm-hmm. to a broader audience than say MAGA mm-hmm. but MAGA's going to eat him alive because they're going to want Trump right so that's where we're going to see I do think a lot of people will fall lockstep I think I think that Republican Party has lost people people I know in my own family who will probably never vote Republican again because of what's happened wow so I think I think if we can really sway the independents mm-hmm. and paint DeSantis as kind of like a Trump light, Trump Jr., mm-hmm. um, like all his don't say gay stuff, mm-hmm. like like really get him on you know anti-choice. Uh, I think like really pound those wedge issues, which, which mm-hmm. was what we did for the midterms, mm-hmm. and it worked. Mm-hmm. So I think. You're always going to have your lockstep Republicans that are right, going to vote yeah. Republican no matter what, because they don't even think about it. They just go in there and vote mm-hmm. R and don't realize they're voting against their best interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so I I do. I mean, I think there's a good shot that that because, a, a, again, I don't know what the number is. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's between five and 10 percent. If five, 10 percent of the MAGA crowd just is fiercely loyal to Donald they could really fuck up 2024 for the Republicans and, or, you know, Trump could fuck it up by whatever it is that he says, however he goes after, because he just can't stand that he's not number one anymore. In fact, okay, that's going to lead me to fucking Elon. Oh my God. I hate Elon (laughs) Musk so much, but okay. So let me get to this tweet here. Um, Okay, so it wasn't a tweet. I'm sorry. I believe it was over on Troth Central, <laughs> as as uh, Donald Trump calls it. But he, you know, this tweet's been circulating on the internet. So he says, when Elon Musk came to the White House asking me for help on all of his many subsidized proje- uh, projects, whether it's electric cars <laughs> that dro- dr- uh, that don't drive long enough, driverless cars that crash, or rocket ships <laughs> to nowhere. <laughs> without which subsidies he'd be subsidies he'd be worthless and telling me how he was a big Trump fan and Republican I could have said drop to your knees and beg and he would have done it <laughs> and that's after that's after Elon let him back on Twitter so um, now this is an interesting I don't know if Donald Trump is going to be able to uh, steer away from 87 million followers which is basically what he's got right now on Twitter Um but, he, you know, Donald Trump is now facing uh, the Republican Party turning against him. And then on top of it, Elon Musk is kissing his ass and he's saying, fuck off, Elon Musk. <laughs> so it's like so fascinating. This whole thing is just really I have like a like popcorn out and like, <laughs> like a Costco sized popcorn pack. I keep trying to tell people, I'm like, let's 
let sit back for a little bit yeah. and let them eat their own. Yeah. Like we just had a major victory. Yeah. We're not going to have to like really get into the tw- the next cycle until like next next year, next spring probably. Yeah. Really, you know. Right. So let's like we, like we don't even have a full Senate yet. Like, like let's. But right now, all this infighting is incredibly <laughs> fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it's fascists and oligarchs and billionaires just clamoring at each other, and I mean, and then on the t- on, then we've got Elon, and <laughs> you know, I mean, I have believed from I, I started freaking out in April, and you know, people were saying certain people were saying to me, "Don't worry, Elon," and they weren't saying it in a dismissive way; they were saying it in a way like, "Look, he's not our biggest problem," and of course. The election hadn't happened yet, so everybody's focus was on the midterms, and I totally understand that. But I was getting physically ill, and I mean, I'm not even making it up. I was physically affected. Whenever it was that it was first discussed that he might own Twitter, I I was terrified. And, you know, I was talking to Bob, and at that point, he didn't really think of Elon as the threat that he is now. And I can't remember why I knew he was. I don't – I mean, I do remember – believing that this would turn into Fort that he would turn Twitter into 4chan. I I knew he was going to let Trump back on. Um I think that there were there was a general thinking out there that if Elon purchased Twitter that he would be basically running it the same way. Maybe he would be a little bit of a dick or, you know, maybe he would allow some hate speech on there, but clearly what's happening is it to me what it looks like is he is sabotaging this website and it's it's interesting because first there was the announcement i believe it was in april and then it seemed that it went away right it seemed like oh we're out of the woods and then he goes and he talks to putin and then all of a sudden now he's pro-russia and and he's basically pro-russia anti-ukraine and then he's telling everybody to vote for republicans we know he got funding from the saudis so if you put these two uh characters together or you know group of people and putin each one of them has a real motivation to see American democracy destroyed. And Twitter is not the White House, but Twitter is a huge fucking website that all the democracies on the world are on. And people organize. People have friendships. I have built my page for years. So have you, where you have put time and effort and, and, and social media. We take it seriously. It's not just a family and friends page where you post your dinner. It's, it's yeah. a place where people organize. It's a place where reporters go. We're breaking news. Under, you know, when you understand that breaking that down and smashing it all, of course there can be other, there will be other websites that emerge from it, but that's a big fucking, it's like, it's not crashing the Twin Towers because people aren't dying, but it is effective in cutting not only the website that we all depend on, the political junkies specifically, because I know Twitter is not just po- political, but it, it, it is taking away that sense of community that we have built up. And, and so I just, I think that there is something very nefarious going on. And then when you throw into these fucking memes and, and, and you know, that meme with the girl, the, you know, the, the woman with her ass in the air and a Twitter on her butt. And then, you know, I don't know what it said. It, it was something about um, Donald Trump and it, Elon posted it and it was, yeah, I saw it. It's yeah. fucking. I, I don't even have the words. I mean, it's so. That he's awesome. trying to entice Donald Trump. Is yes. basically what he was saying. Yeah, but like it's with, like with Twitter. Um, I think 
how Twitter makes its money is off interactions. When you allow all these trolls back on, it's going to up interaction because people mm-hmm. are going to argue with one another. Mm-hmm. I know. So it's it becomes to a point where, though, like, I don't have a problem with these jerks talking as long as, like, facts are getting – are breaking through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, – I have a very – I am, I'm not, again, I'm like, I don't know why. I'm just like too hopeful, hopeful, (laughs) optimistic. But now, now everything you just said, I'll just ring really true. So now I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I don't know. Like I haven't really noticed too much of a change just yet, except for him allowing people back on. If anything, my, my tweets have been reaching more people. Hmm, Interesting. Um, I felt like for a long time, for several months that I was like, I had like two likes on something. So I was like, what the hell happened to my reach? Like I went from going from like, you know, 500 to a thousand likes to like nothing. Right. (laughs) So, and now I'm like starting to get a little bit like more again. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe he's opening the line. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I'm kind of also with this, I'm kind of in a wait and see pattern and just like waiting and seeing and hopeful that, you know, um, some, I don't know. I don't know what's going to come out of all this. Yeah. My fear is that it's going, my fear, because he let project Veritas on yesterday. He let Kanye back on Um, his responses to things are, he, he literally reminds me of like a Batman villain and, you know, because like, I think he's dangerous and Donald Trump is dangerous, but they're very different personalities. So you've got Donald Trump and the way that he reacts to something. Um, I mean, he's immature. We all know this. He's petulant. He's immature. He's vindictive and all of that. But I mean, I don't know a better way to say this. So please excuse me for the words that I'm going to use in the descriptions. But ultimately, it's not his reaction is a little bit more less surprising to me actually than Elon Musk because what Elon Musk is doing is he's being a chaos you know just like Trump he's also a, a, an agent of chaos but he, he's different in that he's going <laughs> Trump yeah. is not doing that Trump is not doesn't have that kind of silliness and and silliness is such a weak word because what's behind the silliness in my opinion with Elon Musk is very sinister he, he strikes yeah. me as a just like Donald Trump, he is a threat to everybody, and but he's a different kind of threat. You know, obviously Donald Trump has, uh, you know, all these documents that he took and classified documents. He could sell them, and there's a certain danger that he puts us in because of that. Elon Trump has a completely different. Like, he's a different kind of a threat, and his threat, I think, is more kind of a pop culture thing, kind of like normalizing the 4chan shit and I think what we're going to start seeing is more and more on Twitter because the experience hasn't changed that much for me either but I think over time it's going to downgrade it's going to get to a place unless it all just crashes and there's nobody there to fix it and then the fucking dies if you know if that's going to happen I see more likely over time it's going to morph into and I, I said this last night on or the other night on Twitter that do you remember? I don't know if you were ever involved in the AOL chat rooms when they yeah. first. Okay, well they were fun. They were it was, it was this new thing, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, we can all talk to each other, and it's so much fun, and it's so much fun." And like after about a month or two, they devolved into these pits of hell, <laughs> where it was it was unusable. You couldn't even go into these because they were being spammed just over and over and over and over again with you know ads and things like that, and it just became so chaotic and unusable. And that's I'm just wondering that 
Elon's $44 billion purchase where he comes in and he starts fucking around with everything. And immediately we're seeing, you know, Eli Lilly Lilly going through, you know, losing money, perhaps suing Twitter. I don't know if they are. I think they are because of this fucking blue check thing. It's like he's sabotaging it. And he got money from the Saudis and he had a meeting with Russia. And I just and then he's telling everybody, go vote for Republicans. I just there's something sinister there. And I can't put my finger on you know, the exact thing. The only thing I can surmise, at least when you think in terms of just Putin alone, the way I look at the Putin-Trump situation is I don't think Putin was always telling Trump what to do. I think Putin wanted Trump to be president. He was able to do enough, you know, cheating to get that as, you know, our reality. And he just knew installing an agent of chaos was going to, you know, he might have hinted around at certain things at certain times with Trump. But overall, he just said, go do your thing, man. Go do your thing because you, you are a colossal fuck up and you're going you're gonna to really hurt the United States. So I think with Elon, it's kind of the same thing. You are a selfish kind of like libertarian tech bro person. Maybe not tech, but still go do your thing. And that's what he's doing. And I think that it's, I think I, I, I just, I had a feeling about him and I was unfortunately right. I was right about it. And I, I'm, I'm a little worried about where we're going to go with Twitter. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Well, he's, he's, I can't, for, for me, what Elon is like, he's, he's socially inept. Yes. He doesn't realize what he's saying and the consequences of the, his right. words or actions. He doesn't, he doesn't get, I literally think he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not making an excuse for him. I'm right. just saying that I, he reminds me of like the privileged frat guy who got mm-hmm. into the top school because he's a legacy case yeah. and just spends all his time like, like bucking around and making jokes. And like, that's, that's the kind of guy I, I, I see him as a guy who's never like, he, he will surround himself by the people that actually know what they're doing yeah. and then take credit for it. Um, like if you like, if, but if you look at Tesla, like how, how dangerous the, Teslas are more dangerous than the freaking Ford Pinto. I am like, like, we took those off the market. Like where, so it's like, we, there are all these things out there that I'm like, is he as good? SpaceX is, I have to admit SpaceX is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of promise there, but again, those are like scientists and everybody else doing all that hard work that people that he surrounded himself by. I saw something last week that said that he might be putting another person in charge of Twitter. Yes. So did I. Yeah. yeah, if that happens, we may see that'll change that'll some be different better. changes, yeah. and that there's like a board, and board can vote. And right, right yeah. now, we're kind of in this really chaotic stage where he's allowing people back on. I don't know, like he literally changes his mind on what mm-hmm. he wants to do, like not even day to day, like by the hour. <laughs> he's he he's chaotic. He's like a little child that doesn't know how to be socially like socially normal. Like he doesn't like I. Well, I mean, what's normal yeah. but you know what I mean yeah. like yeah he doesn't he is I don't know yeah he's just he's he's, he's like a he's, strange duck yeah he's chaotic okay uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back after this message Oh, hey, it's Kimberly, the host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Are you my patron on Patreon? If not, it's really easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do a patrons only show after every free show and I talk about whatever. 
it can get crazy in there. So again, just go to patreon.com slash start me up, check out the tiers and become my patron today. Thank you. Okay, we're back. Uh, going back to Eli, I think that um, Eli, Elon, um, <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, I I would like I would like it if he gets a new CEO. In fact, because you know this website that I keep talking about, which I I, I think it's going to be a month. I, you know, initially we were going for maybe the end of January as a launch. I think we're trying to speed that up, and we're going to either get it at mid December or early January. But either way, um, I, one thing I will say about this whole scenario is, okay, first of all, back in uh, 2018, I lost my very robust and active and engaged Facebook page. And it wasn't just my profile. It was my profile along with a number of other pages that I was you know, working on with uh, Liberals Unite, and we lost everything. Oh, it's going to blink of an eye. And so I know better than anyone what it's like to lose your main social media hub. And now I'm looking at Twitter and I've worked so hard to build up what I have and it may all go away. And so I think it's extremely important that we, I'm grateful that we're seeing, I know Christopher Boozy is talking about a site. We're seeing this thing from Post. Now I will say I'm not a big fan of Mastodon. I know some people like it, but I fucking hate it. And um, I just can't even take counter social. Counter social is a major fucking, it's just awful. So, um, you know, we're going to be seeing different sites popping up. And I think it's good. And I really encourage everybody who, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're on Twitter or any, any platform for politics or for some reason other than family and friends, I would say it's better to be diversified to have a number of social media places that if one goes away you still have this because you know I've built up 88,000 followers on Twitter now I'm gonna be I'm gonna have to start again and again you know and it's like and hopefully I won't have to I actually hope Twitter stays because I think this news at least with the new site that I'm gonna that I have something to do with it actually depends on other social media platforms because that's gonna help you grow but regardless, it's just uh, th- this is teaching us right now that we are living in a world where these sites that can become something we rely on disappear in a second. And so that's why diversity out, you know, out there is, is good. And, and then you don't lose your connections because I'm afraid I'm going to lose all my connections. You know, I've got a lot of people that I met on Twitter that have you know, I mean, outside of people like you, where you're my guest, it's like Twitter makes it easier, easier for me to find people to interview, you know, and, and, Absolutely. and I met you on Twitter and I consider you, obviously you're an ongoing, you know, you're a recurring guest on my show, but I consider you a friend. And there's a lot of people that I feel like that. And it's like, I don't want to lose that. And I don't want, I know other people don't want to lose these connections because even though maybe we're too immature to handle social media, as a species, <laughs> we've got it. And um, anyway, so we'll see what happens there. And I'm just going to quickly change the subject because I wanted to ask you, um, you know, we'll get back into politics in a second, but I just wanted to ask you, what are, you, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? So my plans are really low key. Um, I'm going, we're, we literally ordered a pre-made dinner from Whole Foods that we pick up on Thursday mm-hmm. and then 
having the in-laws over and that's just about it. Well, that's good. <laughs> keeping it keeping it really easy because it's been a year. Yeah. Um, and my, my wife my wife's been super busy with her job as well. So oh, that's nice. We're just like, nope, we're not cooking. No, we're just cooking. That's good. That's a good idea. I have a lot to do. So, you know, I'm going to be starting a new job on December 1st. So that has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but there's like, I, it's good. I'm going to, I'm not going to say who or anything right now, but I'm going to be a social media director just like you. <laughs> so um, I'm prepping for that. And then obviously I'm working on this new website, but yeah, on like Thursday, um, going over to my dad's and then Friday going over to Bob's mom's and then Saturday or no I'm sorry yeah wait Friday Saturday going back over to my mom so there's like there's just like lots of stuff to do um I remember though I just have to take this second that when my mom and I moved out to California in 1977 you know we didn't have family out there and so she's like what are we going to do at Thanksgiving so somebody told her about Knott's Berry Farm and so that we made that our tradition and it was so cool because Knott's Berry Farm it's a theme park amusement park but it's different because there is all this uh, history there and like the old West California, you know, back in the early days with the settlements and people would dress in the old timey outfits and they had saloons and it was, it was, so it kind of felt, it felt Thanksgiving, -y, you know, and it's funny because I remember there was a time when, uh Oh, did somebody come to your door? Yeah. <laughs> I hear your dog. <laughs> your guard. No, it's okay. Your dogs are like, don't you come in here? Which is yeah. good. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I, it was fun to go on, to go to Knott's Berry Farm. But then when I got older, I remember feeling sorry for myself because I thought, you know, oh, there's all these big family dinners. And now I'm just like my mom and I, I wish my mom and I could just go to Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> that would be super fun. But I don't know if my body could take it. Because I'm, I'm getting older and I can't handle all the rides. So, but it sounds like yours is going to be very relaxing and I'm slightly jealous, but it should be fun. Yeah, no, it's going to be really low-key. Somebody's coming with a delivery. I apologize for the parking time. No, no, no. We, don't, we love animals Nobody's on this show. Nobody's been here all day, but here. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. You know, yeah. I don't, do you have to go get anything? Oh, no, no. My wife ran down. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's just funny. Um, yeah, no, I'm just keeping it real. Like, I'm so tired. Like, so, so tired. I have to be in D.C. again next week. So, wow. taking it easy. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now I want to ask your opinion. I want to know where you're standing. I'm going to read a tweet, a little bit of a thread in a minute. But first, I want to know, what do you think of this um, whole thing with Merrick Garland and his new special counsel? Where do you stand on this? I mean, I think it's good because it, like, takes it out of the hands of, like, you know, makes it look a little less biased, even though they're going to call it biased no matter what. Right. But I think it's important. Yeah. And do you, how, do you have faith in him getting indicted? Um, I'm always hopeful that he gets indicted. <laughs> I feel like he's, like, Teflon Don, nothing sticks. Yeah. And I, it's... I, I don't know. I mean, I want him to. I want him to get indicted. He de he deserves to be indicted. Mm -hmm. I think so he will. I think, I think my I gut. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. My gut says he will. Um, I know that, that, okay. that there are people out there who absolutely don't think that's going to happen based on, just like you said, Teflon Don. But I feel like, and I'm not going to argue he is Teflon Don, but that doesn't, just because something has happened in a certain way 
for a certain period of time doesn't mean that is set in stone now that it has to be that way. Anything can happen. And I'm going to read, um, this is Bob Suska's, let me see how long this is. Okay, it's not very long. It's just two tweets. So he says, and I know that he read this on his own show. So if you're listening to both Bob and me, this is a repeat. I could hear him when I was in the living room. <laughs> he was reading his own tweet. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read that on my show. So he says, Merrick Garland is blazing a new trail, never before seen in American history, and we should all acknowledge that the reality that prosecuting an ex-president of the opposite party requires extreme care, if not for integrity of the process, but to establish rules and guardrails. A flippant, impulsive, premature prosecution will never stick to the wall. Now add the... now add the ex-president of an opposite party dimension loaded with extreme public bias and such such prosecution would be doomed to fail i wish it were that way weren't that way but it is trump has wiggled out of legal jeopardy many times before this hunt though i want the hunters to make sure the monster is trapped i want him indicted yes and i want him successfully convicted a snap indictment might feel good but what what will happen next And so I agree with this because I feel like this is all new territory. And, you know, I know there are people out there who would argue he should have done this before. But we're dealing in what is reality and what is happening right now. And uh, I think I just think that he is going to I think Garland is playing this game because he has very much said many times, no one is above the law. We're taking this all very seriously. So when I see people on Twitter saying, oh, he's just laughing and doing nothing, I I can't even take you seriously. Because really, do you really think that's what he's doing? I mean, I think that's Oh, no, I don't think that they're, I think, like, he's like, if you come at the king, don't miss kind of thing. Like, you want to make sure you have it. 100%. Yes, 100%. And, you know, I mean, I'm trying, let me see if I can find, I know Mueller, she wrote, did a thread, which I'm going to get now. On, on this guy, which his name is escaping me. Do you remember his name? Let's see. Um, of course, I thought I saved it and I didn't. But basically, she was just pointing out that it's going to be of benefit to have him because, as you were saying, that it's harder to point and, and scream partisan politics. And, of course, no, I can't find it because she tweets so much. <laughs> and I thought I saved it. Oh, I know where it is. Hold on. I actually copied it. So uh, she says, um, okay, this is the question that everybody's asking. Can the GOP defund the special counsel? She says, I'm so glad you asked. Lots of members like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene have floated this threat. I happen to know from the previous special counsel, which I may or may not have covered extensively, that the GOP cannot defund him. Anyone who listened to Mueller, she wrote, knows special counsel's office is funded from a permanent, permanent Treasury Department account that, is, that isn't subject to annual appropriations process, and it's the Attorney General that approves that bud- budget. So Garland's appointment of a special counsel actually protects the Trump investigations from being defunded. So there are so many people out there who are screaming about how this is not going to be serious or he's just running the clock out they are rage tweeters i get that people feel and and i'm not accusing you of that at all so don't think that but it's like i get that there are people i get skepticism i'm not 100 i do think he's going to be indicted but i don't have a fucking crystal ball so i'm i'm guessing i'm just not going on the assumption that that garland is a republican which i've seen people call him i'm not going on the assumption that he's just letting this all piss away because he doesn't feel like it because that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's the stupidest logic I've ever heard. It's defeatist logic. 
and it's just, you know, feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, he's just laughing. And no, that's not what's happening. So I do think we're going to see indictments, and I think it's going to have an effect on 2024. But I just don't know exactly what that effect is going to be, and I don't know why he's going to be indicted. I don't know if it's going to be one. Is it going to be because he stole documents? Is it, is it going to be the insurrection? Is it going to be the fucking Georgia thing? Who knows? But he's got all these things. You know, there's all these investigations yeah. out there. So... I, I, I agree with you, and, and, and it's fascinating that he like he appointed the special counsel right after the like right around the election when we know that we weren't going to hold the house and he's protecting yeah. it. I mean, that's really really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, that means like he, he there is some there's a there there mm-hmm. for sure, and we're not going to have the January sixth committee anymore because they're going to get rid of that. And like we lost, and like Loria lost, Elaine Loria. Um, and she's on the January 6th committee. We're not going to have Liz Cheney anymore. We're not going to have Adam Kinzinger anymore. So it's kind of like... Um, well, they're talking about moving it to the Senate. This is a way to secure justice. Yes, that's true. It is. Although they are talking about possibly getting a committee over in the Senate. So um, there could be that popping up. But what the point that you just made is like scream it from the fucking rooftops. Yes, this is a protection of this investigation. And... You know, and I don't even know much about this. I'm just going on what Mueller said and what you're saying right now. I mean, it's like, I just, it's not that I'm this Garland cheerleader. It's just that I'm not jumping to the worst case scenario because Donald Trump has gotten away with everything. You know, he's gotten away with everything. But that doesn't, there's nothing written in stone that that means, okay, free ride till you die. Who, who's gonna well, there's also that? like we're, we live in instant gratification nation yeah. where everybody wants something really quickly in front of their like face, like yeah. tangible that they can like look at, and so not everything works that way. No, absolutely not, and that's another good point. You know, we just we're so used to immediate fucking gratification, and I know that there are arguments out there that oh he could have indicted on this and he could have indicted on that, and and I'm gonna go back to Bob's point, which is. You know, this, this is this has to be so fucking precise. This has to be we know because the the big wild card here is the jury. What if there's a diehard Trump fan on the jury? You know, what happens then? We go to all this trouble and then one or two Trump jurors fuck it all up for everything. So at, they'd be allowed to be on the jury. That's I don't know. Well, like maybe they wouldn't. Maybe there? they wouldn't admit it. That's true. You know, maybe they would just play dumb in the questioning. And <laughs> I don't think a Trump supporter has to play dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that that is a real threat. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't indict and, and we shouldn't, you know, attempt prosecution because maybe there's going to be a try. I think we absolutely should do that. But that is a risk. I mean, that's what Michael J. Stern, who's a former federal prosecutor, he wrote about that and just said, you know, that that is a real concern. And, you know, it's not popular to say it because nobody wants to hear it, but that is a real concern. And imagine, you know, I mean, I think that no matter what, we have to go after Trump, but imagine going after him and fucking losing. That would be bad. That I mean, imagine the collective response from that, from both sides. It would just be horrible. Oh, I know, but horrible. we can't not try. No, we so. have to try. We absolutely have yeah. to. But that that's why everything has to be so fucking sealed in concrete that this, exactly. this is how serious it is. And one or two Trump supporters could fuck this up for everybody. So 
we need to make, you know, Garland needs to make sure that if something is going to be brought to trial, that it is fucking airtight. And there's no guarantee, but it's got to be airtight because we don't know what kind of jury we're going to deal with. And, you know, if it's a fucking Trump supporter and as much as, you know, I mean, there are plenty of Trump supporters that I know that are intelligent. And I hate to say that they, they may not be. What's the word? Empathic, you know, and, 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 and but I mean, they're college educated. I know them. They're college educated and they they're intelligent people, but they're just, you know, yeah. racist, sexist, whatever, patriarchal. And that's what they like. So that's the scary thing. And I guess we'll see. And then and now. You know, I want to talk a little bit about this Club Q shooting, and I don't want to at all in any way make it about me, because um, it's not about me. And I say that because I, I just want to throw this in there, and I want to hear what you have to say. But, you know, I mean, growing up in California, I feel like with my mother, who was very um, just open and liberal and accepting of everybody. I mean, we are, we had a roommate when I was, I've told you about him, but when I was, I think it was 10, he was a gay man and I had never met anybody who was gay before. And because I had that experience, it was just like, oh, okay. I mean, and I remember I was shocked to hear that he was gay because I was a kid and, you know, and I just, I, I remember people talking about gay people and I didn't know much about them. And so, you know, here he tells my mom, oh, I'm gay. And I, I, I was like, oh my God, he's gay. And then, you know, I really didn't care. And then I just liked him. And then he turned out to be this really nice man who I was kind of like a member of the family. And so my experience growing up was just, I didn't give a shit if you were gay. If you were a nice person, I liked you. If you were not a nice person, I didn't like you. And, and you know, growing up in Southern California, I mean, it, it seemed to me that that gay people and trans people were basically embraced. Obviously there's bigots, but it just, to me, it was just like nothing. And now I'm looking around at the whole country and all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but I mean, from my perspective, from my limited perspective, now I'm seeing all this hate and I, I, I don't even know how to process it. I just want to say that, I mean, obviously I stand with the, with the LGBTQ community and I want to do whatever I can to let them know that I support them and to support them. But I can't imagine what it feels like right now to, to be in your shoes and to be a, a, a person who's gay. And how do you deal with this? Well, these last few nights have been kind of hard. It's just very reminiscent of like the, the Pulse nightclub shooting. Yeah. Um, it's it's not easy because like I grew up in a very um, not a hateful home, but a very not accepting of gay home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came out in my early twenties, and I've been out ever since. Um, and I just think about like what got to me was the fact that I think a lot of um, trans people were targeted. Yeah, and, and it just got it, it like. And it was breaking my heart because in my in my personal circle of friends, I have several trans friends, both male and female, and I'm just I I, I fear for them on a daily basis already. Yeah. But then like knowing that like okay, what a place is supposed to be our safe space mm-hmm. where like we get like Dan Savage said, like a place where we get herded off to be like behind closed doors, like mm-hmm. you be gay here. Right. And then they go in, and then somebody comes in there and just 
starts killing people. So then that's no longer our safe space. Yeah. So then we feel like we have nowhere to be. Mm-hmm. So then, then like he said, he's like, well, now we have to make everywhere safe. Mm-hmm. It's like with Stonewall, you have to get out of the bar and into the streets. Mm-hmm. Like we have to make everywhere safe for for the LGBTQ um, plus community, for everybody. Yeah. Like that's what we need. We need safety laws. We need better gun laws. Like we mm-hmm. don't, like the fact that AR-15s are still allowed, mm-hmm. there's literally no significant difference between an AR-15 and the M4 that, that our military carries. Wow. The only difference is um, a switch, which makes um, an M4, which gives burst fire, which is basically, but Otherwise, AR-15 is exactly the same. Like, it, it, it shoots as fast as your finger will pull the trigger. Wow. Um, and and, and not, not only that, the, the bullets are designed to um, just destroy your, in, like, they, they go in and they tumble. And they basically, if you get shot with an AR-15, you're not going to be in very good shape at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, there, there's no reason any civilian needs an AR-15. Right. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. So we have a lot of work to do um, as far as that and making the gay community and the, um, I, I don't like saying queer community only because that's, I know a lot of people say that now. Mm-hmm. I, it's a, like, for me, it was a derogatory word yes. for so long that it's yeah. slightly, tri- it's slightly triggering to me when yeah. I hear it. And that's just me personally. Right. Like, if you can say it all you want, other people can say it all they want. I don't care. But for me personally, right. like I have, like it's, I have trouble actually making that word come out of my mouth. <laughs> That's why you always see me write or say LGBTQ plus um, community, mm-hmm. um, which is, I don't know. It's all, in, all inclusive too, but. Yes. Um, no, I totally. Hear yeah. You. Like, I, I just, I, I just yeah. go, like anywhere I go, I look for exits. Like, how am I going to wow. get out of, how am I going to get out of target? I don't go to the movies anymore. Like how am I, like any, if you're in a restaurant, like you look for places where, and that's just the society we're in. You look for places <sighs> to get out of. And the vitriol, the vitriol from like Lauren Boebert and everybody right. on the on the right that's like against trans people or drag queens. How in the hell can I you know. be against a drag queen? I know. Like I, I the most joyful, I know. <laughs> kind, people yeah that just want to dress up and entertain yeah and that is literally all they do and hearing that a drag queen stomped that motherfucker in the face yeah <laughs> oh my god that was everything yeah i i just it's like we don't have to worry about drag queens with our children we have to no. worry about crazy right-wing nut jobs that have easy access to guns around yes. our children yes 100 percent. yeah because it was like what did i say you know um somebody tweeted something out like they're worried drag about drag queens going into restrooms and drag queens worried about the Christians coming in and shooting them. And so, you know, I mean, this whole weaponization of, of religion just drives me nuts, but yeah, I mean, and, and I'll tell you this. Okay. I'm a woman. Um, so I do understand what it feels like to deal with sexism. I've dealt with sexism more than I've dealt with misogyny. Misogyny I see as different because that's hatred of women and sexism is more like a discriminatory harassment type thing. But ultimately they, they come from the same place. I never look for an exit. I have never done that. It has never even occurred to me to look for where can I run if I'm a victim of a hate crime. And, you know, so you saying that is extremely powerful 
And I just hope it resonates with all the other, you know, cis people out there who have never had to think about that. It never even fucking occurred to me. It was like when Frangela was on my show, and I can't remember which one of them, um, Frangela comedy duo, was talking, they're black, and they were talking about, they were interviewing for a job or something, and this fucking white man asked, asked the, the woman, do you know who your father is? Because she's black. And it's like, oh my God. I mean, I'm not naive to racism. I certainly don't understand exactly what it means to be a black, especially black woman, because I have not walked in those shoes. I can understand that it's difficult, but like it never even would have occurred to me that someone would say, do you know who your father is? No one has ever asked me that question because I'm a white woman, you know? So it's like when I hear you say that, that you're looking for the exit that breaks my heart it makes me angry and you're absolutely right it's people like lauren bobert and even it's people like fucking dave chappelle and and bill maher uh talking about the trans community as if there's something negative or wrong and that there's something to fear when has bill maher ever been in fucking danger because of a trans person they make me so angry oh my god um, but again, yeah. this is not about me. I, have, I just have an example, another example. Um, this just happened to me last week. Um, I was in Indianapolis with my wife. She was there for work. And it's just, it's one of those things like a straight couple never has to deal with because mm-hmm. you wouldn't even ask that question. Whereas like we were checking in the hotel and they didn't have a room ready for us. And we were like, oh, okay, well, that sucks. But like, we, like whatever. And then they finally did some digging and they're like, oh, we have a king. We have a king. And we're like, they're like, would that be okay? And I was like, we're like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, do you want to roll away? So you're like, not in the same bed. And, I'm, yeah. and we're like, uh, uh, no, we're, we're good. Like, we're fine. Yeah. Because it's like, but it's one of those things right. where like, I, I live in a liberal bubble. I live in New England. Yeah. I live outside New York City where like, I go and check into a hotel in New York with my wife. No one bats an eye. Right. They give us a king suite mm-hmm. and like, doesn't, no one asks that. Mm-hmm. But I realized, oh my gosh, I'm in, I'm in Indiana. Yeah. I'm in wow. middle America where, you know, it's yeah. not as common and people aren't out. And that's where I, I go back and forth between being like, everyone should be out everyone should be brave in their shoes but at the same time that makes you very vulnerable to mm-hmm. being hurt so it's mm-hmm. like this like it, it's it's really hard because like i know that my wife and i we, even in our little town we don't hold hands walking down the street because we don't know what jerk could be behind us or yeah. somebody might do something to us we don't know yeah so it's just one of those things where like you want to feel safe and you want to be out right and then Wow. You just you just never do. That makes me angry. And so that's why that happening in a gay bar where mm-hmm. you're supposed to feel safe, mm-hmm. that's supposed to be our safe space, yeah. is just the most heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking here. You can't even hold your fucking wife's hand. That makes me so angry, and I understand it, but it just it's just so upsetting. I mean, there was a brief period of time in my life when I was going out with a black man, and I remember. I mean, I was in California. So it wasn't like, you know, it's like when you're when you're living in a liberal bubble, you know, it's like everybody was out. No, it, you know, you would see gay people everywhere. Didn't think anything of it. You were happy. Everybody was happy. And I, I, I'm speaking very general. I know that there was homophobia and all of that. But in my experience, I wasn't witnessed too much of it. And but I do remember when I initially when I started dating this guy who was black, I, you know, I somebody had said to me, are you worried about you know 
anybody attacking you or, or anything. And it was funny because one of the first restaurants we went to, and I don't know why he chose this fucking restaurant, but it was like this old, it was a restaurant where lots of old people, a lot of old white people, <laughs> and they were old. And yeah, they were all staring at us. And, and so I do remember thinking, oh, this is going to be a thing. And then actually, you know, when we went out to other places that were not filled with old people, <laughs> nobody gave a shit. Nobody gave us a second look. And I never, I never experienced any kind of um, racial issues because of it. Um, there were people who said things to me like, oh, I could never date a black person. And I was just like, okay, but, um, you know. That, I can't date a bigot. You know yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, but it was like, I didn't really experience firsthand any real racial shit. But I know right now, you know, that I think I might feel different if it were today. I think I might not feel different, but I mean, I might experience it differently. Maybe there are more, you know, racial comments coming at, 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 at couples who are, um, you know, from, you know, somebody's white, somebody's Mexican, whatever it is. I mean, I went out with a lot of brown men, you know, I went out with a lot of Mexican men and darker men that were clearly either, you know, Mexican or um, I, I went out with lots of different ethnicities, I guess you could say. I mean, I went out with Armenians, although they looked white. You know, I mean, if you're walking down the street, nobody would point to that person and say, oh, they are different. They just look like a white person. But still, I mean, the names, it was funny. I, I used to, like some of the guys that I went out with, one of them, his name was Ludwig Jingozian. I mean, that's like a fucking mouthful. <laughs> and that was like when I was very young. But I mean, again, it was just, it just, it's so weird to me because it's like you're saying you live in this liberal bubble and everybody's just accepting. And of, and of course there's going to be jerks and stuff, but the overall feel when you're in that liberal bubble is like everybody gets to be who they want to be and nobody gives a shit. Go live your life, be happy. And that's the way it should be. But it seems like now we're, we're seeing coming from Lauren Boebert. We're seeing coming from Matt Walsh, from even Dave Chappelle and, and Bill Maher. They're talking shit about gay people. They're talking shit about trans people and they're putting fear into people's minds. And then you have these kinds of shootings and and, and joe and like joe rogan all joe rogan jerks. oh my god yes well you know what herschel walker he put out he didn't put it out out he's in the ad that it was retweeted that he retweeted it about him talking about um trans athletes he it came out yesterday right after this whole shooting he's attacking trans people oh my god i'm like are you like i'm like they don't care no, they don't they care, don't care. <laughs> They don't care about humans. They no. just want to win elections and they don't care who gets killed along the way as long as they win. Oh my god. It's just so ugly. You know, we're in the we're in it for for two more I mean, we've got two more years uh before we have to fucking vote on democracy again. But in the meantime, we're going to see some shit because I don't think that Republicans here's here's I guess the benefit. And and I hate to say this because it's just like saying, you know, it's better that they kill Roe before the election because it'll bring people out to vote. And it did. But Roe has been killed. And then on top of it, now we've got, you know, the Republicans have the House, so it's going to be harder to secure abortion rights in this country. But I think that if the Republicans continue down the road that they're on now, and this is the last question I'm going to have for you too, last thing I'm going to say, but if they, if they continue down this road, and they keep doubling down on their hatred and, and all the bigotry and misogyny. 
I think, you know, what we saw in this election was Gen Z showed up again, but they just keep getting, it's bigger and bigger crowds, bigger and bigger crowds of voters from this generation saying, we're not going to take this shit anymore. And I feel Mm -hmm. like the GOP would be smart if they would stop saying the bad parts out loud, but they keep saying the bad parts out loud. And I think they're going to continue to say the bad parts out loud. And I think that's probably going to energize Gen Z voters. And we're going to have a whole new crop of them, you know, eligible to vote in 2024 because of all the, you know, all the kids who are 17 today are going to be able to vote then. 16 and 17 are going to be able to vote. They're going to be 18 and eligible. So I get it. We're re- we haven't even closed off the Senate yet, so it's early. But just in this kind of framework, do you think that these next two years are basically going to be Republicans acting like fucking crazy people and Democrats, especially Gen Z Democrats, getting more and more motivated and engaged to save democracy? Do you see it going in that way? Absolutely. We're like, it's already getting organized. Like the, that's where a lot of my optimism came from is because I talked in a lot of organizing groups where a lot of um, young voices are. And when I say young, I mean like in their early twenties, you yeah. know, like there's, they're, they're kids to me, but I listened to them and yeah. they were optimistic and they were telling me how, how much people were getting energized to vote in all these spaces. And no one, no one was polling these kids. <laughs> so, so it was, I was like, so I was like incredibly, that's what, that's where my optimism came from knowing these kids, they're coming from a generation of school, sh- school shootings and, and yeah. lockdown drills and they want change. Mm-hmm. They're com- they want their, they want their um, reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. They want all these things. And it's like, Though these kids are going to save us and God bless them. And yeah. I'm going to try to keep organizing with them and use and um, using their voices and amplifying their voices. And I honestly think that not to be cliche, but <laughs> the children are our future. <laughs> I believe the children are our future. Teach them yeah. well and let them lead the way. I can't sing, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But they are. And, you know, I mean, take away their fucking reproductive rights and you see you wake up a sleeping giant. And I mean, it was women and and young people that saved us. And so women of color, all women in general. I don't you know, I mean, still white people, fucking white people. A lot of them are conservative. But, you know, the the electorate is changing and they're becoming and it's like, look, I'm white. You're white. And we're not voting that way. So clearly. We are not part of that. But as a voting block, white people aren't really helping out America. <laughs> you know, We're it's, not great. No. It's just, Especially it, like, like, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my, my age range, I start hearing friends talk more conservatively. And I'm like, snap. Yeah, I can't. Out of it. Like, what are you talking about? You're a soccer mom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing? Why do you want, why do you want the rights of your kids to be taken away? Yeah. Why do you want your kids to have fear, you know, the school shooters? Yeah. Like, why, you know, that, that's how you got to reach these people. Make it about their kids. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, but they're like, but I get a tax break. <laughs> but they don't That's they the don't <laughs> they don't the rich people get the tax breaks it mm-hmm. doesn't trickle down to them no and then on top of it we get shitty fucking economies with the republicans so it's like all this uh, americans still believe for some reason that the that the conservatives are the responsible ones when it's fis- when it comes to fiscal stuff and it's like no look at the fucking history and it's always democrats having you know balanced budgets and 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 the economy doing better it's always that way 
So um, we've got to turn that shit around. And I think that, you know, I'm grateful that you're there um, amplifying their voices. And now that I'll be a social media manager, you know, I'll be checking out your stuff and sharing some of it. So, <laughs> so cause I can learn from you, but um, all right. So, you know, I, I, I just absolutely love you and I love talking to you and I'm really pissed off that this is happening. Um, not just for you, but clearly you're my friend and I, I, I'm very, it, it, it bothers me to know that you can't even hold your wife's hand. That's, it shouldn't be that way. And we need to change that shit because it's bullshit. Um, I know. I, I hate that I'm used to it. Like, I don't even think about it anymore. We just don't do it. Yeah. We don't, we just don't. Like, it's Ugh. just. That's just not fucking yeah. fair. Well, yeah. <laughs> big, big hug to you and your wife. And um, I hope you guys have a lovely, lovely Thanksgiving. And of course, as usual, tell everybody where to find you before I let you go. You can find me um, at Sarah Wood Writers um, at, on all social media. Um, Sarah Wood on Mastodon, but I'm not really on there. I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, and then sarahwoodwriter.com. And then I also am the social media director for the Progressive Veterans Organization, Vote Vets. You can find them at Vote Vets. Yeah. Woohoo. Yes, follow Vote Vets, follow. Uh, Sarah and then of course I'm Kim, author Kimberly L-E-Y and my books are on Amazon uh, happy Thanksgiving to you I hope you have a wonderful day and everybody out there happy Thanksgiving because this is this is my only show for the week <laughs> I just realized that right now <laughs> happy Thanksgiving <laughs> alright take care bye 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 bye